family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Make sure it's on mute. This edition of the show is going to be a tad different, kids. Of course, game day always starts with Tim and Friends. It's just that that game part of the game day starts a little earlier. That's right, kids. Jays and Phillies kick off a pretty damn important two-game series in the Philadelphia today with first pitch flying just after 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. In fact, such is the case for the next three Jays games, two in Philly, one in Tampa. So, of course, we'll start your game day off in style. Former Blues catcher, catcher, Caleb Joseph. I combined the two, Caleb and catcher, to come up with Keecher. Catcher Caleb Joseph. Way it goes. Two claps and Rick Flair. <laughs> Woo! He's going to join us a little later on. We'll hand it off to Blue Jays Central, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific. Thank you for bailing me out on that Caleb and catcher together, Jesse, with a little two claps and Rick Flair. Very good. Now, if the two hours of whole grain goodness and gluten-free goodness is what you crave, Jesse and I got you covered. Over on Sportsnet 360, we'll talk about the mass retirement day in the NHL with Nick Kiprios. We'll talk about the Monday night double dip and how some folks are talking up a Bills-Eagles Super Bowl all of a sudden. And we'll do that with Brock Vereen. And oh yeah, how about an Olympic and World Championship gold medalist? Andre DeGrasse to boot. That sounds like a show to me. A little edutainment to help you through your Thursday. So again, first hour on Sportsnet. Did I say Thursday? Tuesday. Hey, Jesse, two claps and a Ric Flair. Woo! Every single time. I love it. Let's just keep that rolling. Every time I yeah, screw up, we sure. just do two. All right. We Why might, not? We might be doing it yeah, a lot. Definitely today. <laughs> we might be doing it a lot. Just keep it for today. We'll see what All right. Here's the deal. We're going to get you through a Tuesday. Because today is Tuesday. His name is Caleb Joseph. He's a catcher. He played for the Jays. He's now a Sportsnet analyst. Our first hour is on Sportsnet. Two hours are available for your viewing pleasure on Sportsnet 360. Blue Jays Central is on Sportsnet. Got it good and since you understood when I say that I'm talking to myself. Let's get this show on the road with First Things First and Jesse Rubinoff. Yes, let's turn the trick, Mike Quick. First things first. First. Two claps and a Ric Flair. Woo! What a power through it near the end there. Oh, my God. Like just an outstanding performance at the tail end. Very impressive. Okay, here we go. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. There you go. You got, I hope to what, God so. You got uh, an <laughs> hour and 58 minutes left yeah. in the show. Hey, man, live TV, what can you do? We're going to make it happen. To the moon. Love it. The Blue Jays. <laughs> They're back in action tonight as they open a two-game series in Philadelphia. It's a 6:45 first pitch with Blue Jays Central starting at 6 Eastern time on Sportsnet. Ross Stripling gets the start against Kyle Gibson. The Jays now have a one-game cushion over the Rays for the first wild card spot in the American League after Tampa lost to Houston on Monday. And the Orioles are now five games back of the Mariners for the final wild card wild card spot after oh, contagious. I'm sorry. I'm 11 no loss to the Tigers last night. Two claps to Ric Flair. Woo! USA Today's Bob Nightingale tweeted, the AO wild card picture is now strictly for seeding between the Blue Jays, Rays, and Mariners. 
They are separated by one and a half games while midnight struck on the Orioles, who are five games out after 11-0, shellacking to the Tigers. Are you writing off the Orioles? She said 11 nothing. but uh, there, that's okay. There's a lot of people uh, who are now congratulating the Orioles on making the playoffs after Bob Nightingale, who has been the professional curse for a lot of things over the last little while, with all due respect to a friend of the show. He just happens to be that guy that does that thing that when it comes out the other way, he gets upset. And I'm going to tell you right now, it looks like it, and I get it, but there are Blue Jays fans of a certain vintage that cringe at the idea of writing anyone off on planet Earth. All you have to say to Blue Jays fans my age and older is the number 1987. That's all you have to say because back in 1987, it looked as though the Toronto Blue Jays were American League East winners. They were cruising. They were going to make the playoffs. It was a three-and-a-half game lead with seven remaining against the Detroit Tigers. Mm -hmm. And I was in London, Ontario, watching my brother play university football when I realized that the Jays had officially given up that lead. Interesting. And they choked on the three-and-a-half game lead. So listen, I get it looks like it, but with 15 games remaining and a six-and-a-half game lead on the Orioles, I am still not counting the chickens before they hatch. Nine road games, six home games, and they get them in the last series. I'll just wait, if you don't mind. Was the... 1987 thing that you just referenced, mm -hmm. part of the reason for your take yesterday that the Blue Jays, had they had more of a killer instinct, really could have put things to bed. Because you referenced 1987, and that's still ultimately a possibility here, but they could have done some serious damage. Not only that, it also adds to my, it's 162 games, which I say every bleeping year on this show, yeah. and that it's the marathon and not the sprint, because... I've seen it happen before, without a doubt. There, there are a lot of Jays fans that are my age and above that won't count the chickens before they hatch, though uh, it is nice to have three wild card spots that you can now kind of sort of settle into. Mm -hmm. But it's not as if they have a lot of breathing room between the other two wild cards. All, all Baltimore has to do is go on a ridiculous 12-game winning streak. That's all. <laughs> a ridiculous 12-game winning streak. That's all. Uh, so Alejandro Kirk uh, looks like he is going to be back tonight and according to a Ben Nicholson Smith Loris Gurriel Jr. working out at Blue Jays player development complex in Florida hitting and throwing drills running farther behind at the moment Gurriel Jr. expected to meet the Jays at the trop may well take longer for him to be activated though depending on progression uh, you don't want these guys to be pushed at I guess less than a hundred percent is what most players are at at the end of a hundred and sixty two game season but you don't want to rush these guys back. Specifically, Kirk, I think he's 100% healthy coming back now. But the position that he plays and the injury that he had, you got to make sure he's 100% ready to go, right? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. If they, I'll, I'll, let me flip the script and ask you the question. Okay. If they, they being the Toronto Blue Jays, mm -hmm. have a successful, maybe win both in Philadelphia. Philly's still fighting for something, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. Go to Tampa, take maybe three out of four and head to New York within striking distance of the New York Yankees in a three-game series. I keep saying in New York, it is in Toronto. Two claps and a Ric Flair. Woo! Love this. I keep saying that it's in New York. It's in Toronto. Okay. If they get into that series against the New York Yankees, yeah. 
and they are within striking distance. Does everything that you just said go out the window? Like you have to play if you're less than 100% yeah. to try and win the division? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Division is totally different. You think so? Especially considering this year, the change of the I mean, playoff we've had, format. We've had people say that it might not be good for the batters to sit those three games and watch. Well, Obviously, it's going to be good for the starters. Would you rather lose in a three-game series or would you rather advance to the next round by winning the division? It's pretty simple. No, I think you, I think you would rather win. win baseball games, yeah. period, yeah. whenever they have. Yeah. I mean, it, yes, each, each individual player is going to be a different uh, situation and scenario because we don't know how, how hurt these guys are. We had this conversation way back in the day. No, but if we're going back to, you, you mentioned Alejandro Kirk, and obviously yeah. he's DHing, so he's probably not 100%, but he's back in the lineup. We've seen George Springer go through this over the last little while. Is he in or is he out? Like, obviously you want them not to do further damage yes. for the sake of the division, but if they're at 90% and it's not going to get worse and you get or 85% and it's not going to get worse, they're all in to mm-hmm. win the division. I would I would guess that. Mm-hmm. And the odds are, are very unlikely, as you can tell. Bet Rivers suggesting that the New York Yankees are minus 10,000 favorites, that you can get 33 to 1 for the Jays to still win the division. But if they go on a little bit of run, it's going to be very interesting to see how John Schneider yeah. handles all of this as you move towards the finish line because let's be honest here best record in baseball doesn't win the world series very much Mm -hmm. in fact it is in the minority that the best record in baseball wins the world series you have to be peaking at the right time and that is the delicate balance as we saw houston clinch last night as we have seen other teams like the los angeles dodgers look like they are world beaters Mm -hmm. then get to the postseason trip fall and land on their face. So that's the del- and I don't know. Listen, Jays under John Schneider have never been to the playoffs. He's mm-hmm. never done this before. Mm-hmm. So he is going to have to learn from history and look around. But that is the balance I would suggest that you're looking to find. Playing really well down the stretch, so you can kind of sort of time this whole thing. Yeah, then they Which are playing. They are playing pretty well right now. Uh, you have any idea why Robbie Ray is trending in Canada at this very moment? <laughs> Yeah, I looked down before the show started, and it said, Sports Trending, Robbie Ray, mm-hmm. on Twitter, along with Matthews and Vikings and Eagles. Nothing to do with his pants, either. It's got nothing to do with his pants. No. The vaccine requirement to enter Canada will be dropped, according to sources, on September 30th. Couldn't wait an extra month, eh? The baseball playoffs <laughs> begin... On October 7th, (laughs) if the Jays are in the wild card, they could be facing at home the Seattle Mariners, which would have eliminated Robbie Ray from being able to pitch in Toronto. Like, you could be remarkably anti-mandate in this country, and if you're a Jays fan, you are conflicted right now. Totally. This is going to happen eventually, but, like, you know, read the room a little bit here. Maybe postpone it till like, November 7th. Just a couple of weeks so the Jays can get get a little home field (laughs) advantage here. Oh, that's funny. Well, I guess, I don't know, depending on who you are, it's good news that the mandate's being uh, dropped to begin with. Uh, Okay, let's go to hockey. It was a busy news day in the National Hockey League with camps set to open across the league. The Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche rewarded Nathan McKinnon with a new eight-year deal worth $12.6 million a year, making him the highest paid player in the National Hockey League. McKinnon is entering the final season of his current deal 
which pays him $6.3 million a season. His new contract begins in 23-24. What do you think of this deal, Timmy? That value significantly contributed to the Avs winning the Stanley Cup last year. The fact that he was still on a $6.3 million a season contract. Um, it's the same thing that I was thinking when Matthews signed a deal. The only difference between Austin Matthews signing his big time deal and Nathan McKinnon signing his big time deal is that McKinnon had already done this. He had already lifted a cup. Mm -hmm. Like, this makes sense if the cap moves up just like Matthews. I mean, what could happen, right, Jesse? <laughs> I mean, what could possibly happen that would make this deal look worse moving forward? Uh, there could be a whole pandemic thing. The cap could freeze, and it could go nowhere, yeah. as we saw with Connor McDavid, Austin. Matt. All these other guys never won the cup. McKinnon won the cup, and... He is still in his prime, so he gets the big-time money. And if I'm not mistaken, it's exactly double what he had before. But make no mistake, is, yeah. make no mistake, it is going to get tougher for the Avs to compete once his number goes up. I will repeat a stat that we have repeated on this show since Sid Sixero was here. No team has ever won a Stanley Cup with a player with an average annual value of $10 million or more. It's a crazy stat. Anyone in double digits in the NHL has never won a Stanley Cup. In fact, only one has ever made it to the Cup Final, and that was Carey Price in 2021. So, listen, the Avs have McKinnon, Landis Cog, Rantanen, Makar, Nikushkin, Lekkinen, Manson, uh, Girard, who they did most of that without, um, Gorgiev, they're all under contract for the next three years, okay? So that gives them a good core. But the same thing could have been said about the Edmonton Oilers when they signed Drysaddle and McDavid to those deals. Same thing could have been said about the Toronto Maple Leafs when they signed Marner and Matthews to those deals. There was a good core. It's the surrounding mm -hmm. pieces and kind of sort of, to be honest with you, what bugs me about the NHL right now is that you could build a championship team and not be able to retain it. And make no mistake, that's part of the reason why Nazem Kadri's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, this, I can't get over the stat that you just gave that no team. But as the salary cap, go, salary cap goes up, that is going to be broken Yeah, but when did soon? But when did Kane and Tave sign their $10 million? Like, it's been a long time. Yeah. It's not like it's been a year or two but you can't, and the cap's uh, yeah. going to move or it wasn't just a pandemic thing mm -hmm. where the cap froze. It's that if you take up that much of your... Listen, just look at the Leafs and the Oilers over the last little while. If you take up that much of your cap with one or two guys, there's not much to go around on the third and fourth lines. What matters in the postseason? rolling three and four lines. That's why when Nikita Kucherov came back and played basically under no cap, it was so valuable for Tampa. So McKinnon, you could make a case that he was the most underpaid player in the National Hockey yeah. League up yep. until signing today. So from a, from a personal what standpoint, yeah. yeah, like go get the bag, right? Without, without yeah. a doubt. And I guarantee you that there are agents watching me right now just cursing my name talking about that 10 mil because it's not fair to a player to say you take less so your team can be better mm -hmm. gm better mm -hmm. own better 
And it's, it's just this balance in the NHL where I really think that they need a luxury tax. I think that they need to install. I don't care if it's punitive or not. Install a luxury tax, not a hard cap. That's how modern sports are done. And I know that Brian Burke extremely physically disagrees with me. <laughs> However, I think it would be good for hockey in the long term that teams that get good through the draft are allowed to stay good through the draft. This is very interesting. I feel like that's a bigger conversation it is for another day maybe with uh, nick kiprios a little later on. like today. it uh we got to stay with hockey and we got to move on because oh there's a lot God. of news coming yeah. today three nhl defensemen announced their retirements today zidane ochara pk suban and keith yandel after 24 seasons and more games played than any other nhl blue liner chara signed a one-day contract to officially retire as a member of the bruins shortly after suban announced his retirement on social media, walking away after 13 seasons with the Habs, Preds, and Devils, while Yandel hangs them up as the NHL's all-time leader in consecutive games played. Iron Man! Although Phil Kessel isn't far behind. Chara met with the media in Boston today, shortly after signing his one-day deal. I knew that, first of all, it was time. It was the right time to step away. And, uh, you know, having uh, three kids at home and, and being involved and not to miss you know, uh, their birthdays, their special occasions, and it just, it would, I knew, I knew that was, that was the right decision, and I'm completely happy with it. I'm, I'm, I have no regrets. Uh, I would not change a thing. So how will you remember Chara and Subban's careers, Timmy? Uh, let's start with Chara for how hard he worked to become a legend. And he did become a legend. Like, when you spend 24 seasons in the show, I understand that people may forget about the start. But Zidane Chara had to fight almost literally for everything that he got. Like, remember, the Sens chose Wade Redden over Chara. Mm. And at one point, Chara ended up becoming the best defenseman in the league and the heavyweight champ of the league. Like... That does not happen much, if ever. Like, maybe Larry Robinson, if you talk to those in the know, 24 years, a great work ethic, a dude everyone would want on their team. To me, that's the legacy of Zidane Ochara. And I mentioned the 24 seasons, Jesse. I don't know if you know this, but when you play 24 seasons in the NHL, you have to thank a few people. Chara thanked a few people. Bergy, Marshy, Kretsch, Rex, Sachs, Luch, Horty, Kels, Wright, Pevs, our metal line with Tordy, Paisy, and Supi, on D, Johnny, Fair, Sides, Quater, Kaba, Knights, and of course Timmy and Dukes, Trevor Linden, Ziggy Palfi, uh, Daniel Alfredson, Marian Hossa, Marian Gaborig, Miro Satan, Peter Bondra, <laughs> Alexander Ovechkin, Nikki Backstrom, John Carlson, Anders Lee, Zach Parisi, Josh Bailey, Yarmi Yager, both Davids, Krejci and Pasternak, Yarmi Yager, I said, uh, Anze Kopitar, Roman Yossi, Leon Dreisadler, and many more. And many, and many more. I was surprised he didn't name us. And many more. Wait, wait. As Ilya Brizgalov once famously said, I'm not done. I'm not done. That's <laughs> so good. Cam Neely, Don Sweeney, Ray Bork, Ter Terry O'Reilly, Rick Middleton, Bobby Orr, Johnny Busey, Getty Shore, Willie O'Ree, Milt Schmidt, just to, just to name a few. Oh, you named a few. Hold on. He played with Milt Schmidt, the Bobby 51. <laughs> 
Hart Trophy winner? I know he's old. He's not that old, he's is he? He's amazing. No, that's so, that's so good. Uh, comedian, even if he wasn't intending to be. Uh, what about PK? Oh, PK. Mm. This is... I was always mystified by how polarizing PK Subban was as a hockey player. I came to understand that there was much more to it, much more than a lot of us would like to admit. But I thought Eric Engel's headline on Sportsnet.ca today captured Subban's legacy when he said that Subban contributed much more than goals and assists throughout his electrifying NHL career. In his retirement post, PK said, I never looked at myself or ever felt like I was just a hockey player. Engels added in his piece, that captured the true essence of his legacy. He was uber successful in being more than just a hockey player. And while some in the, you play for the front of your jersey and not for the back of your jersey crew, were frustrated by that, I think those people lost the plot. Not only was PK electrifying, a Norris Trophy winner, but he was absolutely a great role model for so many in hockey and what's most rare, outside hockey too. Just look at his Instagram post about his retirement. Felix Auger-Aliassime thanked him for inspiring him to become, I don't know, one of the best tennis players in the world. Kelly Olenek, Josie Altador, Shaq Lawrence, the Montreal Alouettes, Nelly Furtado, Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, Little John, oh, Little John called him an inspiration. Mark Jackson, Blake Griffin, all commenting on the. I think you get the point. I know whether there were those that criticized PK for being a brand, and while I kind of, sort of understand the concern, I know, I sure as hell know this. The NHL needs a lot more like him. Men who can step over sporting lines and inspire kids beyond the rink. And I haven't even mentioned the $10 million pledge to the Montreal Children's Hospital, which is absolutely untouchable. Most of you know that I love weighing both sides of an argument. I rarely use absolutes because of it. But I sure as hell know this. The NHL is much better off for having P.K. Subban in and around their game for as long as they have. And I damn well hope that that continues. Yeah. So kudos to P.K. for what he was on the ice and just as importantly what he was off the ice. Yeah, it feels like the P.K. Subban era around the National Hockey League is probably only just beginning. Because he's just such a... A great personality. And, and yeah, it'll be interesting to do see what he does wants. next. I mean, I guess he's already done ESPN yeah. stuff. Like, I think he could do a show like this easily. He could do whatever he wants. Yeah. He, he could sit yeah. there if he wanted to. Yeah. He could probably sit there on first things first. Mm -hmm. He could probably sit there on first take. Yeah, he's very, very good. Very oh. articulate, very charismatic. Just getting started. And insightful. Uh, okay. There was, there was nothing uh, articulate or charismatic about the way some of the teams played last night, the Titans and Vikings particularly, because it was the home team show last night during the Monday night doubleheader. The Bills beat the Titans 41-7, and the Eagles beat the Vikings 24-7. Buffalo and Philly are both off to 2-0 starts. Which performance was more impressive for you? I told you this before the show, I'll tell you this during the show, and maybe even after the show. I'm not sure the answer on that 
Brock Vereen is going to make his Tim and Friends debut a little later on Sportsnet 360. I am going to ask him the very same question that you asked me because both look damn impressive. They did. The Eagles and the Buffalo Bills and maybe even like Stephon Diggs put on a tour de force and the defense of the Buffalo Bills may have been better than their offense against the Tennessee Titans. So Brock Vereen coming up a little bit later on. We will tee it up right here on Tim and Friends. Still to come, Eagles, Bills, who was more impressive? Nick Kiprios on Nathan McKinnon's big deal and what has turned out to be retirement day in the National Hockey League. Canada's golden anchor, Andre DeGrasse, stops by the show. Plus, after the break, we catch up with Caleb Joseph. Two claps. Tim and friends, let's go. I feel pretty confident where we are. It's uh, kind of that time of year where you just got to go out there and, and grind, and the biggest thing is to win that game, and whatever we got to do to do that is the most important. Whose hand do you want the baton in? You want it in Andre DeGrasse's hand. Tell me something Josh Allen can't do. He's close to being the next face of the entire league. Jalen Hurts, top-notch dual threat. This kid is just knocking on the door, too. And so to think that someone like Robert Sarver that's acting in that manner can continue to represent us, that's bull****. Welcome back, friends. Jays Phillies opening up a mini two-game series at Citizens Bank Ballpark tonight. A reminder, early start. First pitch just after 6.30 Eastern time. Blue Jays Central starting 6 p.m. Eastern time. And with that, our number two of our show will be Sports Net 360 only. Flip on over if you want to stay with us. Rod Stripling gets to start for the Jays tonight. And we understand if you don't. Like, to be honest with you, when that first pitch flies, Jesse and I will have an eye on it, even though we'll be live on national television. That's a lot. Uh, Shipling has been excellent, not giving up more than three earned runs in a start since May, and only once all season. Kyle Gibson goes for the Phillies, who enter the night two and a half games up on the final wild card spot in the National League. Tomorrow it's Kevin Gossman against the very good Zach Wheeler. Here is the lineup to face Gibson tonight. George Springer is in there and leading off. He will also play center field. Alejandro Kirk returns, will DH after missing the last four games with a little hip issue, although nothing's little, on Alejandro. And the red-hot Danny Jansen will catch. Still no Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as he works his way back from injury. Here's manager John Schneider on his team's success away from home. I think it's a testament to the talent of the team that we have. It's uh, veteran guys and um, I think understanding that every game is important this time of year. So I know the second half has been really good. And I think it's uh, just guys responding to the challenge right now. You know what? I I'm really not sure what it is. But uh, yeah, we just come in either road, home. We just come to the field uh, ready, to, ready to play. You know, and I think, uh, I don't know, it's kind of cool getting to see new ballparks. You know, maybe it amps you up a little bit. I'm not sure. Jordan didn't seem to be too articulate on what exactly it was that <laughs> yeah. got him going. Either way, uh, we'll see if Caleb Joseph does. Uh, from his home in Franklin, Tennessee, we offer up two claps and a Ric Flair. Woo! There you go. Love it. Love it. How are you, brother? 
Great, great. Good to see you guys. Um, so how tough is it? And I think this may have had something to do with Jordan Romano's clip there, but how tough is it to remain as, as razor-focused as you need to be when you start hitting games 148, 149, and 150 on the schedule? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to depend on where you're at in the standing. So, of course, big weekend and previous week for the Jays as they all but kind of solidified their playoff aspirations. Of course, anything can happen in 12, 13 games, but you like kind of where they're at in general. And now it's just about trying to figure out where you want to seed. But I'll tell you this, when you play on the road, it just seems like there's fewer distractions, right? I remember being uh, earlier in my career when I didn't have kids, it was a little bit easier, but then you start having kids and a lot of the Blue Jays uh, players, they do have families. And so you're trying to really figure that out and uh, when you go on the road there's there's fewer distractions and so you can kind of focus a little bit more on on playing ball so playing on the road late in the season always helps um, but at the end of the day it's it's just a matter of showing up and being a professional and this team's done it on the road the entire year but yes as it starts to wind down you start to see the finish line and so I feel like it's actually easier to start focusing in and honing in on kind of what you need to do I always felt like August was the toughest month because you're so close to the end, yet you're still pretty far away, still pretty hot in August in a number of different cities. But as the calendar turns into September and as it gets closer to October, that focus starts to really hone in because I think a lot of people and a lot of teams and players individually want to be finishing on the up and up, and they want to get into the playoffs finishing at playing their best game, if that makes any sense. So kind of like playoff hockey, you really want to try and shore things up towards the end so when you go into the into the lord stanley cup playoffs you're kind of rolling so i think that same thing can be said about baseball players too so then how do you manage guys like alejandro kirk who are coming back from injury yeah they got to be careful with him right Uh, he's been such an integral part of the team not only catching when danny jensen was out but he's right in the middle of the order i mean he's hitting three or four and uh He's really done a great job, but they've been load managing him this entire season, trying to figure out where his threshold is when it comes to catching, when it comes to DHing. This is the uh, the triple that I think John Schneider said was the most exciting play in baseball was watching Alejandro Kirk score from first. <laughs> Certainly exciting for me to watch that, but yes, it's going to be important to kind of keep him fresh and healthy. Uh, but also rest him when needed. So that kind of balancing act has always been intriguing to me as to how many days off in a row or is it every other day? Because last thing you want to do is rest players four and five straight days and then get into a playoff run and people are a little bit rusty. It takes a game or two to knock that rust off. So I think maybe day on here, day off there. But they've been doing that pretty regularly this entire season. It'll be interesting to see if a couple guys get a couple days off in a row. I know Bo Bichette could probably use one, but... He is the hottest hitter on the planet still, in my opinion. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they how they formulate that. Yeah, without a doubt. Another one that's uh, and it seems like maybe with the playing time, too, does it not feel like Danny Jansen's really warmed up here? I mean, the stats back it up, but really warmed up here with the with the increased playing time. For sure. And I was talking to Danny last time I was in Toronto a couple of days ago and just he mentioned something that was really intriguing to me. He said, you know, when, when I feel like my back is against the wall, I feel like I play my best. So remember, he started off super hot with the bat, was hitting homers just left and yeah. right, and then up on the DL with, I think it was a, a hand fracture. So he comes back, he's a little bit slow, goes back onto the DL again, comes back, and at that point, Kirk had kind of solidified himself as who he is. 
and who he's always been, to be honest with you. But Danny's been fighting for that playing time, and his back's been against the wall. And we've kind of seen what Danny Jensen was doing earlier in the year, now starting to retranslate back towards the end of the year. And it's so good to have two capable catchers that can handle the staff, that can provide some offense. But he's a fan favorite of mine and Danny. Uh, I just know how much he prides himself on his defense, but it's always great to see him really starting to swing the bat really well. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy about that. And it's a great problem to have. They've got two guys that they can either flop at, at catcher or use Kirk at DH. It, it allows some some roster and lineup maneuverability. It's funny. Uh, we, had, we had a question on the show. It was a pretty good one last week, if I do say so myself. We were talking about who's the MVP uh, for the Jays season. And there was a lot of different votes. And uh, Ross Stripling got more than his fair share. Uh, Ross Stripling MVP for the Jays? For sure. No doubt about it. I mean, how many pitchers in the big leagues can say that they've won a number of games as a starter? They've pitched a lot as a middle reliever. Oh, and by the way, have a save to their name, right? So his maneuverability, his flexibility has just been exactly what the doctor ordered for the Blue Jays. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I don't even hear the word Hunjin Ryu very often anymore because of what Ross Stripling has been able to do. This could have been a storyline that could have lasted all through June, July, August. If the Blue Jays didn't have Ross Stripling, they could have been trying to figure out how to fill that gap of a Hunjin Ryu for the entire season. But, oh, we got Stripling. Here we go. He steps right in. It takes him a minute to kind of get, quote, built up. And now not only is he going two times through the lineup, he's excelling on that third time through the lineup, he has been something else. I, I, I've talked about this at nauseum, it seems, but his intelligence, his pitch ability, the way that he's able to attack certain hitters, certain lineups, doesn't pigeonhole him, him into having to throw a certain way. So he can locate different pitches in different quadrants, and he has abilities with all those different pitches to maneuver around different lineups. And it, it allows him to be flexible, and he's not stuck in a – Fastball away, slider away combo that gets predictable. He can adjust on the fly. He has been tremendous. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach a three-game series, whether it's Barrios or Stripling in potentially game two or three or however they want to they want to roll with it. Who's your vote? I mean, for me right now, it's Stripling just because oh. I feel like I can trust him in what I just said in terms of that maneuverability. He's not stuck in one sort of area with the with uh, the strike zone. He can go up, he can go down, he can go in, out. Uh, Brios has, I think he's uh, five or six straight quality starts, so he's really pushing the envelope, envelope as well. I feel like this is kind of a little bitty mini tryout, a little bitty mini side uh, side game here that's yeah. going on. I don't think that anybody would have really seen this coming back in April that, hey, towards the end of September, it's going to be Stripling versus Brios for a potential number <laughs> no. three starter spot, right? But no. it's good. And Buck Walter used to always say, good competition and good healthy competition the ball club. So two pitchers pitching really well right here at the back end. It's a great problem for the Blue Jays. Uh, that kind of interview, Mr. Caleb Joseph deserves two claps and a Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, brother. You got it. There is Caleb Joseph from his home in Franklin, Tennessee, right here on Tim and Friends. Jay's first pitch just over an hour away. Blue Jay Central coming your way 6 p.m. Eastern. We will do our final hour on Sportsnet 360. Got it good and since you understood. We're taking the break. When we come back, longtime friend of the show, Andre DeGrasse. We will slow him down and talk 
a little 4 by 100 gold medal. We'll talk a little 200 and whether or not he's getting healthy. And we'll do it all while talking about his philanthropy next right here on Tim and Friends. Four by 100 meter relay. And they're away, a good start. Aaron Brown, such a good bend runner, is charging very hard in lane number four. But Christian Coleman making up some ground as they go through the first exchange. The Americans are flying, so are the British. Darnell Hughes outside in lane number six. Down the back straight for Canada, Jerome Blake. Handing off now to Brendan Rodney. Rodney with a great run, being tracked down on the inside by the United States, Elijah Hall. Through the exchange, Canada in second. The Americans watch up the exchange. Andre de Grasse has the lead. Here comes Mervyn racing to Grasse with the lead. Canada with the gold. Andre de 37-48. The fastest time of the world this year by the Canadians. Look at Andre. He knows how to win. Give him a lead. He's not giving it up. Andre de Grasse brings home the gold. Still one of those things that makes the hairs on the back of my neck raise. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we saw Andre de Grasse running fast. He is also running late right now. He's also hosting an event at Casa Loma right now and is supposed to join us in the next couple of minutes. Uh, we'll try and do what nobody saved for maybe Usain Bolt has done, and that is catch up with Andre in a couple seconds from now, but this is live TV. It is also retirement day in the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. Sedano Chara, P.K. Subban, Keith Yandel, all retiring today, which Jesse led us to a match game on the old Twitter machine. Yes, it did. The question is, or I guess the fill in the blank, the match game is, when I retire, the first thing I would do is blank. When I retire, the first thing I would do is blank. I'll let you mull over what you would do before I get to you. Robin says, hi, millennial here. What is this retirement concept you speak of? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's just nodding his head. Okay, Brian. No, I, I get that. And it's not just about, like, it, when's millennial is what I was thinking, and it's not just millennials. It's everybody yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. A lot of those kind of responses in the message. What the hell is retirement? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, Brian says, way. buy a hut on a beach in warmer climate. Simple dreams. I agree with it's you, nice. Yeah. It's nice to dream. Uh, Michelle, drive by my old teacher friends and honk, point, and laugh maliciously on the first day of school. <laughs> Very good. I like that one. Vicky, when I retire, the first thing I would do is see if I could still run and beat Tim and Jesse's race time in the streets of Toronto. Run in the 40? Yeah, I mean, Fitting it's not... Fitting with Andre DeGrasse about to join Yeah. Us. I mean, it shouldn't be too hard to do. We weren't exactly blazing fast. Well, one, you were faster than me. And two... You got screwed. I yeah, got screwed. you got screwed. I got yeah. absolutely and utterly screwed. Worse than, we'll, worse than Bret Hart got and, screwed. And, and, we'll prove it, and we'll prove it next year. <laughs> I don't. I put my money where my mouth is. Ringer says, "Turn off any alarms that end in AM and drink a beer." <laughs> a lot of sleep-ins. Uh, last one. Uh, Katie says, "Sleep in, start my day off with a mimosa, and hit the golf course." That's that pretty, sounds that's like hard a to nice beat. way. That's hard to beat. To retire. Uh, my next guest is uh, not retiring anytime soon. In fact. He's not only one of the fastest men on earth with goals of being the fastest man on earth, he's an OG friend of the show. And to quote Jay Zed, he's not a businessman, he's a business man. Andre de Grasse. My dude, it's been too long. How are you? Hey, 
How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing very well. I, I know you came on the show with Faisal and Jesse, but I missed you. It's been too long. I, I see all the ads. Uh, I'm, I don't miss you that much because I've seen the Subway. <laughs> I've seen the GoDaddy. I've seen the Cool Bet. And now, and now, a signature wine to raise funds for the Andre de Grasse Family Foundation. How the hell did you end up in wines? And, and don't act like I didn't notice that you're wearing a wine color jacket. Very nice touch. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm just uh, just trying to sp uh, spread my wings. <laughs> um, you know, I got we got approached uh, about this opportunity, and you know, wanted to take full advantage of it. Uh, definitely didn't see this coming, or you know, was I didn't think it was going to be in the in the near future. Um, but uh, you know, I decided to jump on the opportunity, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be a part of this, and uh, I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, um, you know, selling out. <laughs> All right, so the signature wine that you're hoping to sell out, 19.62 from the signature win, 200 Tokyo. Who came up with the name? Uh, I think, yeah, that was, uh, that was a combination of myself and, uh, and the people in, in, my, um, in my circle. Um, you know, we were trying to come up with a unique name that kind of, you know, recognizes uh, my achievements and uh, what better way and, you know, doing the time 19.62 uh, Olympic champion uh, to make it sound, uh, you know, amazing. So, you know, we use the graphics from the Olympics um, that I, uh, you know, when I won the medal. So we thought, hey, this is, uh, this is perfect. Uh, this is a perfect name. And everyone, you know, jumped on board and said, hey, we love it. And we decided to go with it. So we're going to need a 37.48 uh, wine, too? <laughs> hey, that might be next. That might be next. <laughs> I heard you got the whole crew at Casa Loma for this event. Uh, I know there's a lot of celebrities, a lot of people on hand, but Aaron Brown's going to be there. Brendan Rodney's going to be there. Jerome Blake's going to be there. We just saw the race. Those who captured gold with you over the Americans on U.S. soil. I know that you... Even with Aaron, there's a, there's a rivalry there a little bit. But is that now <laughs> that you are you've captured gold together? Is that brethren for life now? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, Aaron and I we go way back, so uh, we've been talking about this moment. You know, trying to be able to you know accomplish this um, at a high level. You know, do it on the big stage. You know, we we you know switching up orders, trying to figure out who should go where. Um, and we decided, you know, you know, I, we said, hey, you know, I think Aaron, you got to lead this off, man. I think that's that's our only chance to to win this thing. You know, you give us a good lead, you run a great brand, um, and then I bring it home, right? <laughs> so, um, and we just have, you know, Jerome and Brendan to fill the gap. So, um, you know, they did an amazing job as well. So, I mean, uh, you know, we've been together for a long time, so it's good to, you know, for us to win it, and we hope that, you know, we can uh, do it again, especially, you know, especially at the next Olympics. Oh, that's what the, 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 the group before you did, and we had to go back to 96, 95, 96, 97, but they were consistent, and that's what made it so good. But mm -hmm. when you finish a race like that, and, you know, it takes a while for everyone to get together, besides the well-placed cuss word, what's a moment like that after the win? Like, what are you guys saying to each other in that moment? Because it just seems like pure elation. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, we're just, you know, super happy. We're excited that, you know, we actually put this thing together. We uh, made it possible to get the stick around because that's always the hardest, the toughest part of the race. You know, we know we have the speed and we have the foot speed, but 
It's just trying to, you know, have that consistency and have that transition to be able to trust one another, to be able to get the baton around. So for us, it was just a, really a sign of relief that, hey, you know, we've, we've won bronze, we've won silver, and we wanted to be able to try to bring home that gold medal that we so dearly wanted. And, uh, you know, it's good, good that we were able to accomplish and our dreams in that, in that aspect. And now we just got to say, hey, let's, let's, let's do it all over again, right? So um, right. That's, always, that's always the mission. So, but we were just, you know, super happy. We, 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 you, know, you know us, we bond together. We shared a uh, quad together at the Olympics. Um, you know, so we're, we're cool, we're tight. And uh, that's what it's all about, trusting one another and believing in, in, in each other's abilities. That's awesome. I, I know you weren't at your best at the world championships and that's why you, you ran only the four by 100 in the end. Uh, you still got your gold. How are you feeling physically these days? <laughs> yeah, I am great. <laughs> nice. I'm great. I mean, um, you know, it's good to, you know, have some downtime with, with the family and, uh, you know, do something outside of, you know, outside of track. I mean, I feel like track always takes up my whole world. So it's good to, you know, have some downtime and just kind of enjoy these, you know, the moments, you know, with your family and friends and get to celebrate, um, you know, celebrate other things like, uh, you know, like this wine we're launching. So it's uh, it's it's a it's a good, it's a good uh, good feeling for me. <laughs> uh, for more information, by the way, you you can follow any of Andre DeGrasse's uh, socials and the the family foundation, the Andre DeGrasse Family Foundation, ADG Fam Foundation on Instagram. Again, ADG Fam Foundation on Instagram to get more. I got to ask you, as a dude that grew up on the border of Scarborough and North York, what happened with the Scarborough Walk of Fame here? Like, I heard you were going to get your star alongside Lily Singh, Natalie Spooner, <laughs> uh, Jerry D. I used to listen to Ron Nelson back in the day on CKL. What happened? Are you eventually going to get it? Because uh, Scarborough Town Center needs to be graced with the Andre Grass name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're working on that. We're working All on right. that. Uh, definitely, uh, it's, it's in the works for sure. <laughs> uh, I, for those who don't know, Scarborough Walk of Fame is in the Scarborough Town Center, which is a mall with a checkered past, to say the least, in, in the east end of Toronto. What was your go-to store? Every, went there every Tuesday. Yeah, every Tuesday? <laughs> For the cheaper yeah, movies. Have the, the movie I, I, theater I don't know sucked if they still when I was have a kid. It. Yeah, it was five, $5, $5 movies. I don't know if they still have it. <laughs> but uh, true or false, and, and maybe you're a little younger than me, but when I went there, I bet that you now have a bigger TV than the movie theaters was when I went there. <laughs> were the movie theaters the worst in the business when you were going there? <laughs> to be honest, you, 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 didn't, you didn't realize, you know, because you're a kid, but of yeah. course everything just evolves and, you know, yeah. now they got reclining seats and, you know, they come and serve you now VIP style. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's of course, things have changed, but as a kid, you, you don't even notice that type of stuff. You just, you just dare to enjoy the, enjoy the movie. <laughs> I'm going to just say this. I, I, lo I love the journey. Scarborough you, Markham Ray, shout out Milliken Mills, now running an event at the only castle in a North American city and doing it for a good cause. Um, I hope you take time to savor the journey because it's been fun to watch uh, since you first joined the show at USC to where you are now. Uh, enjoy this, doors always open for you as you know. So anytime you wanna join us here on Tim and Friends, uh, doors open my dude. All right, thank you, Tim. I appreciate you having me again. Can't wait to be in the studio with you. Anytime my dude, anytime my dude, enjoy. <laughs> There is uh, Andre de Grasse at Casa Loma in downtown Toronto. And like just cool, dude. Um, from Scarborough Town Center to holding a philanthropic event at Casa Loma, that's a pretty cool journey for a young Incredible. man. Incredible. Like I always thought it was, uh, when I was a kid, I thought it was Castle 
Loma. Not Casa? But it's Casa Loma. I don't think it's that big of a difference. Well, it's just jarring when you learn something that you, you grew up your whole childhood. You thought something was one way. I got way. you. Yeah. I got you. I got All you. Right. All right. Time for a break after a short one. It's out to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet ahead of the Jays and the Phillies. As for us, as we've mentioned a couple times now, second full hour is on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 360 only. Nick Kiprios on a crazy busy day in the world of hockey. NFL Talk with Brock Farine. We're back in 2 on Sportsnet 360. As for the rest of you, enjoy Blue Jays Central. Sheepdogs back here. Hour number two. Tim and Friends. Sportsnet 360 is the channel. Still to come. Brock Vereen talking football as the Bills and Eagles continue to impress on a Monday night double dip. Plus Nick Kiprios in minutes on an extremely newsy day in the NHL as camps start to open across the league this week. And it starts with some really big news out of the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. They rewarded Nathan McKinnon with a brand new eight-year, $12.6 million per annum deal, making him the highest-paid player in NHL history. McKinnon entering the final season of his current deal, which pays him half of the 12.6, 6.3 million a season. His new contract begins in 2023-24. So the 12.6 mil surpasses Connor McDavid's AAV just slightly, at $100,000 per year, Austin Matthews now fourth on the list with just two years left in his current deal, which just might take over top spot when he signs that next contract. Of note, no team has won the Stanley Cup with a contract of over $10 million average annual value on the books. Important note. Staying with hockey, three NHL defensemen announced their retirement today. Crazy that it all lined up. Zidane Chara, P.K. Subban, and Keith Yandel all retired after 24 seasons and many more played than any other blue liner. Chara signed a one-day contract to officially retire as a member of the Bruins. Shortly after, Subban announced his retirement on social media, walking away after 13 seasons, Habs, Preds, and Devils, while Yandel hands him up as the NHL's all-time leader in consecutive games played, although Philly Kessel isn't far that isn't that far behind. Chara met with the media in Boston today shortly after signing his one-day deal. I knew that first of all it was time, it was the right time to step away. And uh, you know, having uh, three kids at home and, and being involved and not to miss, you know, uh, their birthdays, the special occasions and it just, it, I knew, I knew that was that was the right decision, and I'm completely happy with it. I'm, I'm I have no regrets. Uh, I would not change a thing. McKinnon new deals, Zdeno Chara, PK Subban, not to mention Keith Yandel. Big day, so we've brought in a big guest as Nick Kiprios joins me from the Big Apple. What's going on, Kipper? How are you, man? So good. 
Got a little golfing uh, uh, yesterday at Westchester for oh, the New York Rangers. Look at this. So, so it's all good. Had to play. It's all good, Tim. You're 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 ready to bring me back to work a little too early. Still, <laughs> I apologize, but this is a big day, and it as I said, I need day. I need a big guest. Let, let's Thanks. start kind of close to home with PK Subban. Are you surprised? Uh, not really. Knowing PK the way I know him, uh, known PK and his family since he was seven years old. Taught him at a Toronto hockey school. Uh, it was wonderful watching him grow up. It really, uh, to be a part of that development, to see him, um, didn't have the status of a of a stamp coast, you know, a surefire uh, can't miss uh, kid. Uh, but you know, he got better really early uh, since uh, uh, being in the American Hockey League with Hamilton out of the Montreal Canadian organization, and it was just great to see. I look at him. Tim, at 33 years of age, and certainly he can't hit the high note anymore. But I thought there was a little bit more to be squeezed out here. But mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the cards are a little stacked against him with a flat salary cap and uh, in many ways a broken salary cap where there's just no money in the system right now. And, you know, he's the type of guy not to hang on. He's not the type of guy that yeah. wants to play on, on three teams in the next four years. Uh, and saying that, uh, he wants to control his own destiny. And I think, uh, you know, I, I commend him for that, that decision. There's so many guys that uh, hang on way too long. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case here with PK. But I will leave a little bit of a crumb saying he's 33 years old. There's a, a lot of teams under a lot of pressure to get a, off to a great start. And I know he's going to stay in shape. I know he's going to keep mm. training. I know mm. he's going to keep up with some therapy. Could there be a team, Sid, or a, a Tim, sorry, I'm, I'm right. on breakfast TV now. Could there be a, <laughs> could there be a team by mid-November, early December, mm. that comes knocking on his door? I would not rule that out. Yeah, there might be a few teams in uh, in Canada that might think about uh, being able to add a, a defenseman. But uh, how will you remember his 13 seasons in the show, Kipper? Uh, I, I think uh, uh, charismatic, flashy, uh, highly skilled, uh, energetic, uh, sometimes a breath of fresh air. Sometimes it's like, uh, you know, stick a sock in it, uh, PK, <laughs> all of it. And, and I, I truly mean that in, in a very good way. I, I, I'm very proud that, uh, you know, I, I, I got a chance to see this kid since he was seven years old uh, turn into a, uh, an, an ambassador for the game. Uh, he sold the game on and off the ice. And there's times when it bothered some teammates to the point where they thought he sucked too much oxygen out of the room. But at the end of the day, I think he's a real sincere kid and uh, he means everything he says and he's got a good heart. Uh, you spent 24 seasons in the NHL. People don't remember how it started, but Zdeno Chara had to fight for everything in this league and ended up one of the best in it, didn't he? Without a doubt. And uh, you know, we, when we first saw him break into the the league, it was like uh, he's going to be a tough guy. Uh, you know, he's going to have to learn how to drop his gloves. He's going to have to go out there and and show everybody he could be a heavyweight in this league. And then. Uh, goes to Ottawa and then uh, starts developing. And I, I mean, going way back here, what, 2006, 
when it was uh, Ottawa's going to keep Wade Redden. Who's yeah. going to stay? Who's going to go? And boy, oh boy, was that the wrong decision to let this guy go because uh, the moment he signed in Boston, he turned into one of the best defensemen in history, uh, bringing it all to the table. An, an amazing career uh, and one that stands amongst the very best in history. Only one Norris Trophy winner who's eligible is not in the Hall of Fame. Are both these guys who both won a Norris going to the Hall of Fame? Chara? You're asking me about Chara? Chara and Subban. Both of them won one Norris. Yeah, I think uh, Chara for sure. Uh, PK, shutting it down at 33 and playing, what, 834 games or around there, I don't know if it's enough for PK. Uh, It's getting tougher every year, uh, but certainly the Norris will help him get uh, some people talking about it. For sure. Without a doubt. All right, I can't let uh, let you go without talking about Nathan McKinnon. And, you, and you, you talked about that broken salary cap, and we may end up there while talking about this deal. $12.6 million per season. Uh, what did you think about the deal? Well, this one was kind of getting greasy a little bit for, for Colorado. They were uh, hell-bent on not getting uh, the cap number up there and uh, – Pat Brisson's one of the top agents, and he made it abundantly clear to Colorado that uh, if he doesn't become the highest paid player in the salary cap era, we have nothing to talk about. And uh, Colorado buckled. Uh, They had to go uh, to that place. And could he have gotten more a year from now? Yeah, that's a possibility, but uh, he's happy there. He wants to win. And there's a window now for for the next two years. Unfortunately, you know, uh, the effect of this contract will have the same one that uh, was on the Leaf fans is that it it will pull others up. And Rantanen in a few years will probably want 10 or 11, and uh, they'll have to break up uh, some part of that core group probably three years from now. But, but now it's all about the window of winning uh, again. And uh, there's going to be some challenges there because they don't have a second-line centerman right now with Kadri gone. They've got uh, uh, JT Comfer, who is not a second-line guy. Uh, and Newhook uh, is going to get an opportunity, but he's still young. They're going to have to go shopping probably once they establish what they see in the first few months of the season. It is... Is the system broken, Kipper, if you can't retain your guys? And listen, they made a deal for Nazem Kadri, knowing that he would become a free agent. But it's not as if they didn't have the guy to make. Like It wasn't like the Leafs who signed John Tavares to a big number deal. Like Colorado has come by this pretty honestly. Does the system need some sort of luxury tax or some sort of bird rights so that people can retain their players? Yeah, look, there's there's no movement right now. Uh, there are some players out there that uh, uh, that could easily move. Andreas Johansson, I think, is in in New Jersey, and they're just saying, "Listen, we'll we'll retain uh, somebody. Somebody take them." And teams want nothing to do with now adding anything at all. Uh, in fact, we're seeing teams go the opposite way with uh, uh, non-competitive teams like Chicago and Arizona who just are are mailing it in. You know, it's the opposite of parity. It's it's crazy what's going on out there right now with with the lack of movement. But uh, 
Um, you know, he's McKinnon had to have shown at least the players' association that uh, you know you 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 can't you can't let Connor McDavid sign years ago and and not pass him. It has to progress, and that and that's what's what's happening now. But there's a lot of lack of movement out there, and teams are just handcuffed to the point where. You know, even the talk about Kerfoot and the Leafs and unloading that contract, I don't think there's any takers right now. No one wants to take on that money right now. Could it change in a week or two? We'll have to see once things get rolling again through training camp and the exhibition season. But, man, it's a tough sled now to move money. Okay, the other part of this is, and the flip side of it is, there is still no one with a $10 million salary or more that has won a Stanley Cup. Part of that has to do with a flat cap, but... There seems to be this little game of cat and mouse where GMs are like, if you sign for this, we can't surround you. And putting that kind of pressure on their top player seems kind of sort of unfair. Yeah, it is. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I get the narrative on that. But uh, the players don't care. The Players Association doesn't care. Uh so you don't you think Matthews at- and, and Marner signing those big deals in Toronto care that they can't – surround them with better talent i think it's beyond the point now where uh edmonton they they used to feel guilty about it but it's not my problem anymore it's really kind of swung now where um i'm sorry you're just gonna have to find a way i I want my 12 i want my 14 and you have to you have to deal with the rest but there's there's less guilt on the player side for taking top dollar than there ever has been um, in, in years past. So look at baseball, look at basketball, look at the way those have progressed in 20 years, and then look yeah. at the, the NHL player salaries progressed in the last 20 years. And, and these guys are embarrassed. They're embarrassed that, uh, you know, 20 years ago there was $10 million players, and, and yet we're having a tough time cracking that today. That's, that's not right. Yeah, it's crazy. Although it did happen, I will be honest, it did happen in basketball. Jordan, at the turn of the, you know, he was making $33 million, and then it went down for years. No one even got close to that. Now they regularly bust it. But it did, it did happen a little bit in basketball as well. All right, we got about a minute and a half left. I just want to get your, your the one thing that keeps percolating in the back of Nick Kiprios's brain as we're about to open camps something is there a pressing matter that you see out there that not enough people are talking about right now well I think uh you know for me and and Justin Bourne and we're getting ready for uh real Kipper and Bourne again in uh in a week or two following the Leafs is just uh you know these uh younger players like Sandine uh, without a contract and and certainly handcuffed when it comes to the collective bargaining agreement and uh there's a sense out there he wants two two and a half million dollars I don't think that's uh, uh first and foremost about money there seems to be some friction there in terms of uh the way he was used or uh, being unhappy, I think they've got they've got some work to do to iron that stuff out. Uh, but there's a, there's a disconnect between Sandine and the Leafs, and I think Kyle's got to fix that first before you can even consider uh, getting his uh, his name on a, on a dotted line. Do you uh, do you swing those clubs over your right shoulder one more time <laughs> before you left before you leave? Uh, no, I don't no. think so. I think I'm done. Right. I'm done. Real Kipper and Bourne, you can catch it wherever you get your fine podcasts and on Sportsnet 590 in the local Toronto area. Kipper, always great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this and enjoy New York, man.
Thanks, Tim. There is Nick Kiprios in the Big Apple where he captured a ring with the Rangers that was kind of sort of famous in those parts. We'll take one more break. We'll talk more hockey, maybe get to the match game as Tim and Friends rolls on with a little NFL talk mixed in. Brock Vereen will join us as we break down a pair of very interesting Monday nighters. Mm. A reminder, friends, going on right now on Sportsnet as I put something away underneath the desk and get caught by the camera. Jays and Phillies coming your way. <laughs> what a day. Uh, first pitch just after 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, 3.30 Pacific. So we're about... Weird start. Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually 6.45. Weird time first to start a pitch. baseball game, isn't it? it it's it's kind of old school when you were trying to save time for the lights. But, ah, but that's like six, man. no, no, 645 would get you into like 945. So you're not really saving anything. It's dark. Not by in September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we used to see a lot more of those starts way back in the day where you're trying to save a little bit of light uh, on the day. It maybe has something to do with the way the sun sets. I don't know. Does 20 minutes make that much of a difference? Nope. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, weird, dude, weird. Whatever, it's all good. I'm sure there's an explanation. Fine, yeah, there. like whatever. I'm not complaining. I'm just uh, pointing. Jays and Phillies, uh, Blue Jay Central, right now on Sportsnet. Game coming your way. First pitch with Ross Stripling on the bump, and walking towards the mound as we speak, uh, around 6:45 Eastern. Do we have the record of a pre seven o'clock starts? Uh, there is a day-night record, but uh, yeah, I don't no, think that right. uh, that I was qualifies. being facetious. Yeah, it's okay. I understand. Uh, we. I think are done with two claps and Ric Flair. Because on this show, what? we pride ourselves on listening to the feedback of the friends of the show. And apparently, it has gotten annoying and people are done. Lars writes in and says, Your two claps and a red flare is super annoying. Okay, Lars. Understand? <laughs> I'm going to give Lars the benefit of the doubt and call that autocorrect. I, I, is it? Okay, we're not done. Race dog. One or two Ric Flairs, KK, but don't overdo it, fellas. Stop, save it in case of Jays or Leafs happen to go deep in the playoffs. What about, the, what about the Oilers or the Flames yeah, well, yeah. or the Canucks? This is a national show, Fan Race the Dog. Jays or Leafs. That's okay. Uh, Susan, it was cute once. Hope it is a one-show thing. All right. So I, I just think that, you know, we maybe save it for when Caleb Joseph comes on because that's his thing. Do, do they know, I guess because I made all the mistakes and I was trying to cover it with the two claps and a Ric Flair after yeah. announcing that Caleb Joseph was coming on the show. I mean, I thought, it was, I thought it was funny. I a Caleb know. Joseph thing. Yeah. So we're just honoring Caleb Joseph with his two claps and a Ric Flair. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's just see. Uh, at Tim and Friends, <laughs> oh, do we need to oh, get goodness. rid of the two claps and a Ric no, Flair no, for the tight asses here? Because <laughs> um, three people have written in, and Jesse yeah. wants us to stop the two claps and a Ric Flair. If it's, if it's more than that, as always, we will listen. At yeah. Tim and Friends on Twitter. Let me reframe. I'll just say, uh, like everything in life. Oh, no, you don't have to reframe anything. No, no, no. But like everything in life, like granola, have it in moderation. Gotcha. You know? You have too much of anything, it could be a problem. Uh, there was also a match game. My dad uh, used to say that to me all the time. Everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. I don't think that's his quote, but he's a smart man. 
I don't think it's his quote either. I didn't say it was his quote. I didn't claim it was his quote. I just said that he said it to me a lot. I don't know why I went there. I feel like I, that was offensive. You're just Sorry. ripping my 84-year-old no, dad. No, is that what you Yeah, no, that was just terrible. Okay. Awesome. So I'm just going to make a just a By the way, smooth at 84, transition he would whoop your ass. Yeah. Yeah. Is your dad retired? Uh, he is retired. So what was the first thing he did when he retired? That's our match game. That's uh, the segue. Complained about being given early retirement. Right. <laughs> That's a very good answer. Why yeah. didn't he tweet into the show? Yeah. Very good. Okay, the match game was when I retire, the first thing I would do is blank. Big retirement day in the National Hockey League. Of course, P.K. Subban, Keith Yandel, that is the and Zdeno Chara all retiring. Brian Leach writes in and says, find the nearest karaoke bar and sing Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Uh, start a man-boy band with Tim. Oh, nice, I think. I don't know. Uh, Greatest boy band of all time right now, go. Boy band of all time? Back Greatest back. boy band of all time back right now, boys. go. Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys, Backstreet yeah. Boys. They're still going, too. Greg, don't they have a three residency? Backstreet Boys. They have a residency in Vegas, I think. The correct answer is the Beatles. They're not a boy band. <laughs> They're a boy band, don't I? Really? They're a boy band? They're a boy band, and that'll piss off a lot of people. They're not fans. a boy band, I don't think. But they are. You just great. weren't a boy. <laughs> Chad you says. You just named a boy band from when you were a boy. Hold on, don't you have to be poppy to be a boy band? What do you think the Beatles were when they came and, people, they, and they were screaming and yelling? What are you talking about? They were the original boy band. They were like. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't seen as no one knew what a they boy were the band origi- was. They were the original boy band before right. boy band was and even And then everyone tried to, the monkeys came along. They, everyone tried monkeys. to be yeah. something that was the Beatles. Did you ever watch the Beatles documentary on uh, Disney Plus? I don't know why I'm Just because they were geniuses doesn't mean they weren't a boy. Yeah, so that spe- this speaks to the genius of them. Did you ever watch the documentary <laughs> where they're just. You never thought of it, had you said it? The doc, they're just sitting around and, ma- and talking about making music in an upcoming concert that they were going to throw. Okay. And you just see this, like, you're just a fly on the wall Mm -hmm. witnessing greatness. And and to relate it back to sports, because this is a sports show after all. Yes. I feel like it's similar to, like, a Hard Knocks thing or another documentary where you're, you're just, there's a camera on the athletes and you're just watching them go through their process. Like, when they're in the receiver room or the quarterback room or whatever. And I just found it fascinating to, to watch people who are the absolute best at their craft go about their business. I just watched it's like the, watching you every day. I just watched it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be giving it to myself. Thank you. Uh, you get horns for lion? By the way, am I as greasy as you are? Oh my goodness, it's hot in this studio right now. Am I glowing? Oh, <laughs> you, you look you're glistening. Why don't you tell me? Isn't that your oh. responsibility? Oh my What do you goodness. mean, no? Greg? Oh, am I? Yeah, I'm sweating. No, it's sweat. <laughs> oh, no. Me too. This is going straight into the best of the week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I had, a, I had a, uh, a girl at camp. A girl at camp once told me. This is very mean, actually. A girl at camp once told me that uh, you could fry an egg on my face. <laughs> what? It's <was> so crazy. <laughs> How are you not laughing at that? I, you don't find that funny? Well, like, you could fry an egg on your face? Yeah. Like, that would mean that so you were hot. Because it's I greasy. Would take it as a, I would take it as a compliment. I cannot believe you didn't even giggle at that. That's insane. That it was greasy? Anyway, Greg, you, you didn't think that was funny? Yeah. yeah. And oil, yeah. But I, yeah. Just, I would say, like, yeah, I'm that hot. All right. <laughs> Do you want to continue with the match game? or uh, I, don't, I, just... I don't know, to be honest with you. 
I think we should probably just go to break. No, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Let's go, egg boy. When I retire, the first thing I would do is take the summer to visit every ballpark. Isn't that on your uh, retirement list? Yeah, that's pretty literal. Yeah, Chaz. Pretty I literal. Am, uh, I'm, yeah. Uh, when I retire, the first thing I would do is throw my alarm out the window. Now, if you remember, Nelson was the person who gave us the cornflakes with hot milk. All right. So Nelson would throw the alarm out the window, wake up, and have a nice bowl of cornflakes with hot milk. And cheese. And cheese, which is the important part of you it. You said it was missed. delicious. Well, yeah. Right. It was. I had you got any more for me? No. That's it. <laughs> that's it. All right, we'll take the break. On the other <laughs> so side, Bulls Nation is on top. I can't nine. believe you didn't laugh at all. Like, I'm stunned by this. Okay, you can go to break. I'm sweating buckets over here. Bills Nation, Cloud Nine, <laughs> Eagles flying high. We'll discuss it all with Brock Marie next. It's, I just didn't find it that funny. That's fine. I mean, maybe I mean, not I, every joke lands, but maybe it was I what missed the said. gag. Plus, she was being mean to my boy. Yeah, she I was. She was thinking of a comeback. It's not very nice. Yeah. Sonya. <laughs> most feared offense in the NFL in Buffalo. And a big reason why. Josh Allen will make you pay. Allen wants to throw across his body. It's caught. Stephon Diggs. The easiest touchdown catch he'll ever make. Stepping up into the logo and throw. He's got Diggs wide open. It's caught. Touchdown. 46-yard strike. Another touchdown for Buffalo. Third of the night. Allen to Diggs. Tell me something Josh Allen can't do. He's close to being the next face of the entire league. Jalen Hurts, top-notch dual threat. This kid is just knocking on the door. Hurts to the end zone for the touchdown. You can't start a game much better. Launch downfield. Watkins wide open. Touchdown. They've had no answers for Jalen Hurts. He has been sensational. Hurts keeps fighting for the end zone. What a run. Touchdown, Philadelphia. If he continues to play this way, this is going to be a dangerous, tough team to play in 2022. Already are a dangerous and tough mm -hmm. team to play with that running game. Uh, both the Eagles and Bills look very good. Our next guest is a rising star. First, the Big Ten Network and now the CBS Sports Network with that other pregame show making his Maiden voyage here on Tim and Friends, former NFL safety, first team, all Big Ten, and he did it at a hockey school. Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm Tim and Friends welcome to Brock Vary. What's going on, Brock? How are you, man? First and foremost, it is absolutely a hockey school. <laughs> I've grown up in L.A. We have the Kings, but a bunch of Fairweather fans. It wasn't right. until I went to a women's college hockey game that I realized, oh, this is this is a hockey school. Football is just a hobby. Right. I should I shout out uh, Marcus Carr, DeVoe Joseph, Canucks who play ball at Minnesota. I should show more respect to the other sports at Minnesota as well. There's, there's a few football players that have played there as well. But we appreciate you doing this with us. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to uh, be on board for a couple visits over these yeah. next couple months uh you nice. are dressed sharp sir i'm i'm drastically underdressed i i i try hard when you're this ugly i i don't have the the hockey hair or the mullet or the flow uh to go that way so i better dress well uh let, let's let's talk about yesterday because i don't know if this is recency bias but i hear a lot of folks talking about a bills eagles super bowl how can you argue it you, you know what what amazes me the most about 
the Bills and specifically Josh Allen is outside of Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, there's no real elite offensive skill. Like Devin Singletary, top top 20 running back, right? Maybe, Dawson yeah. Knox, top top 15 tight end. But this is the most feared offense in all of football, and it is because Josh Allen. I mean, look at these clips right here. You know what amazed me also about Stephon Diggs? We know where the ball is going right. every single play, and yet he's always open. And most, more often than not on his touchdowns, there's no one within five yards of him. It, it, it makes no sense how he is really the main receiving threat and he's always wide open. Josh Allen is incredible. If you put another quarterback in that role, they win 10 games, maybe. It, it's it, it's the Josh Allen show. It's funny because it was almost a tale of two game plans, right? Like Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs, two of the, what, top three, top four receivers in the game. And Diggs kept getting open. And after week one, when we, we kept seeing Kevin O'Connell, all game plan got Justin Jefferson open. All we saw was Kirk Cousins trying to force the ball to Jefferson, and it didn't work the same way that it worked in Buffalo. A huge credit to Slay, who is tearing this league apart and has been for a while, finally getting his his just due. But I'm going to be honest, I have no sympathy for the Vikings organization or Vikings fans. This is who Kirk Cousins is. This Last night and this disappointing season that won't end in a Super Bowl for them, it, it's it's not Kirk Cousins' fault. This is his 11th year, I believe. This is who he's been. He's going to win you the easy games, and he might struggle in the tough ones. More often than not, last night not a great example, but more often than not, he's not going to lose you games, but he's also not going to win you games. This is who he is, and they've had plenty of opportunities to make a change at quarterback. They just extended him once again. This is their guy. Well, This is what you get. This is Kirk Cousins. He will win you the games that you are supposed to win. In the tough ones, you're going to be slamming helmets like that. This is who Kirk Cousins is. I have no sympathy for the Vikings. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, they pay him like he's going to be better than that every year, and he never gets better. The, the thing that strikes me most about the primetime games thing, we just saw the Monday Nighters. He's 2-10 in those games. You know why? Because usually they play a good team when they're playing a primetime game. That's what gets lost in this. I understand yeah. it's a quirky stat. It's a fun stat. Oh, hashtag primetime Kirk. No, it's because they're playing better teams. And it's why, yes, he's good enough to get you 10 wins, nine. He's good enough to get you to the playoffs. But every game is primetime in the playoffs because every game is a big one against a good opponent. And they've reached their ceiling with him. And Justin Jefferson, like most wide receivers, hey, ego comes with it. Diva comes with it. We saw what happened with Stephon Diggs. We're about to have part two if something doesn't change. All right, so let's talk about Darius Slade Jr. and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I was saying after week one that I thought they might be the favorites in the NFC East. Uh, I think I know they're the favorites in the NFC East now. We can talk about the NFC, period. Uh, yeah, 100%, especially when we saw that slop fest that was the Buccaneers and the Saints. Philly is up there, man. Philly is up there. The Rams are proven that they did not pick up the momentum from a Super Bowl a year ago. Philly is rolling. And the beauty of it is they're not asking too much out of Jalen Hurts. They're letting him play his game. They surrounded him with top talent. 
across the board and clearly a top defense as well. That that defensive line has to flash a little bit. Fletcher Cox can only carry you so far, but they're young. They're going to figure it out. They, they're not asking too much out of him. I would like Miles Sanders to get more involved. I know last mm. year there was that eight-week stretch where Sirianni forgot that Miles Sanders was on the football team. <laughs> but if they got Sanders going, they got a top-wide receiver core and a defense that can make plays – it's all about the Eagles, man. I am all in on, on Philly from this point forward. Okay, so if I listen, if you look at what Vegas is saying right now, it's Tampa and then it's Green Bay and Philadelphia. Would you agree with that? Would you put Philly ahead of either of those two? Like, let, let's break it down a little bit here. I'm putting Philly above Green Bay. I understand that with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, hey, they are Super Bowl contenders until proven otherwise. I understand that. The problem is Tom is still surrounded by Mike Evans when he's back from suspension. He's surrounded with Leonard Fournette. He's surrounded with a great defense. Aaron Rodgers has a great defense. We're banking on rookies here. And Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, yes, they can pound the rock. They can do all this. But when you're down 10 points, which is how I judge a team, if a team is down 10 points in the fourth quarter, do I have confidence that they're going to win more games than they lose? Tampa, it's Tom. They'll figure it out. Philly right now, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Where where is the big play going to come from, right? That Aaron Rodgers two-minute drill magic where he runs around for seven seconds and chucks it up to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is not there anymore. It's a bunch of rookies out there, and Sammy Watkins, I don't see it just yet. I set that up because uh, Vegas is going to change those odds after next week because Packers at Bucks uh, does the – Suspension of Mike Evans change your view of what might happen in that game, or does Tampa at home scare you? Uh, it changes it a little bit for me. I, I'm still taking Tampa in that game. I don't see how this is a high-scoring affair. I, I, I see this as both defenses shine. Whichever offense makes fewer mistakes can win the game, and mm-hmm. I'm going to take the more veteran team in Tampa Bay to make fewer mistakes. Now, Mike Evans, I get it. You got your quarterbacks back, but brother, you are struggling to hang 20 points on a team that turned the ball over, what, three or four times? They need you out there. And Tom is going to be happy that his receiver has his back. He's going to be very upset next week when he's looking around wondering who he should throw to. Without a doubt. This is going to be a real interesting matchup because of that. And I have, listen, I know the road is littered with folks that have bet against. I say it all the time. The road is littered with folks that bet against Brady and Belichick and now just Brady. And I don't want to be that guy, but I'm reserving judgment on this Tampa team. Too much turnover on that offensive line. And let's be honest. I mean, they're they're 2-0, but they haven't been remarkably impressive in either one of those two games. Slop fest. Like I said, I I watched every single play of that Tampa Bay New Orleans game. And with two minutes left in the fourth quarter, I thought, why did I just waste my time? This is ugly. There is so much better football on. I saw the Ravens blowing a lead. I said, why wasn't I watching that game? (laughs) No, Tampa Bay has a ton to figure out. And it's so it's so rare of a Tom Brady led team. But maybe the writing was on the wall during training camp. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in the personal life of Tom Brady, which that's his stuff to deal with. We don't need to get into that. But clearly, this is not a normal year for them. They are banged up. They are playing sloppy ball. It is unlike them. Now, 
Fast forward to December. Are we going to be shocked that they're sitting here with eight or nine wins? Probably not. But to put them in that upper echelon Super Bowl contender category, they got to prove something to me against Green Bay this week. All right, last one. True or false, Mike Evans wasn't going to get suspended until he went in front of a microphone and said, I'm not going to get suspended. (laughs) (laughs) That is the dumbest thing he could have done. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say he was not going to get suspended. Look, I don't know what him and Lattimore have going on. Has anybody done a deep dive why they can't stand each other? From the first time that they played one another, they have despised. I don't know what happened. I don't think they ever played against each other in college, but this is personal, and they need to iron this out, or else one of them would just be suspended every matchup from this point forward. Yeah, we need need someone to play arbitrator. We need someone to come (laughs) in and, and make good, have them shake hands. Uh, appreciate this, Brock. Uh, love having the maiden voyage, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again down the road. Thank you so much. You have yourself a good week. You too. There is uh, Brock Vereen, CBS Big Ten Network, straight out of Valencia High School in California, and, of course, the hockey school, Minnesota. Time for one last break. <laughs> Jesse Rubinoff, last call. Next, right here, as we wrap up yet another edition of Tim and Friends with two claps. I- I'm just kidding. Once again, kids, for those looking for it, Jays and Phillies just underway in Philadelphia. First of a two-game series between the two. It is available for your viewing pleasure on Sportsnet. We continue, Tim and Friends, though, with Last Call and Jesse Rubinoff. All right. Let's keep it going here. Uh, Big news out of the NBA today. A little warm in the studio today. Yeah, just a bit. After many years of scrutiny and speculation, LeBron James appears to have embraced his hair loss. What? LeBron posted this photo on his Instagram what? stories today. So there's two questions here. Number one. Is LeBron James finally coming home? Yeah. So number one, do you think coming home is such a good term? Do you think this is real? And number two, do you approve? Is it real? I Are you suggesting that it's a filter? Like what's going on here? I, I mean, for me, it's hell yeah. Finally, LeBron What's come good? to the dark side. You needed to do this for about 10 years. Like, this has been talked about for a long time. Like, I heard about this in the commercial break, and I just did a quick Google search. So, uh, Director Rob Zito, if you can take my computer, I've got uh, LeBron James' joke about his receding hairline is going viral. Uh, Charles Barkley had a spectacular description of LeBron James and his hairline. Uh, Did LeBron James have his hairline fixed? Like, there, LeBron James hairline through the years. Like, he has gone to what some call the black magic, some call the black ice. This is artificial insemination of the hair. He has gone to great lengths to cover up what we all know is simply an insecurity on one of the greatest athletes of all time. LeBron, if this is not real, you need to come home. Trust me when I say this, some of the manliest men, Marc Messier, done it. We need to normalize bald, everybody. Michael Jordan, done it. Those are two of the greatest athletes of all time. LeBron, you can do it too. Come on home, my friend. Uh, Gus the Barber, who, who you know comes to the office from time to time. Ken comes in here every Wednesday with a fresh haircut. Yeah. 
Um, he said that you can go to like Turkey and get a hair trans, like a real serious hair transplant. Yeah, I don't and apparently that's what how the Turks became the, uh, yeah. the be all and end I didn't know all that on either. hair transplants. But right. yes, I've heard this as well. I feel like this is something that LeBron may have dabbled with in the past, trying to keep keep it alive. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think he looked good there. I, I did think it was a filter. I love how you said Ken went and got haircuts from Gus, and not you. Well, you make it. You make a thing about it every time he comes in. Uh, okay. So yeah, I just yeah, slid right by that one. <laughs> All right, you can add Draymond Green to the growing <laughs> list of voices calling for Robert Sarver to be removed as owner of the Phoenix Suns. Sarver was suspended for one year and fined ten million dollars for inappropriate workplace behavior related to racism and misogyny. But today on his podcast, Green said, that's not good enough. I do think it's absolutely insane that Robert Sarver's just going to receive a one-year ban and $10 million fine and just return to the sidelines next year and return to the building next year. It actually goes against everything that the NBA stands for. And so to think that someone like Robert Sarver that's acting in that manner can continue to represent us, that's bullshit. Yeah, so Draymond also said he'd like to see other NBA owners vote on removing Sarver. Tim, do you think all of this pressure will be enough to force Sarver out? One of the minority owners on his own team said that Sarver should be out. When I first heard the news, I said, this is the NBA seeing which way the wind is going to blow. The wind is going to blow to the point where Robert Sarver needs to be out. I mean, the one-year ban, so he watches on TV, $10 million fine. The team will appreciate more than $10 million this year. This was not even close to a slap in the wrist. And if you're gonna act like you're doing all of these things to help others, you can't turn yeah. this way when it comes right to your front lawn. And I get it. The commissioner is paid by the owners. Other owners won't want to vote against Sarver because then they know that they could be next. Uh, it's going to take someone with some guts to step up and or the players to assert themselves the way they did when it came to the Los Angeles Clippers, which was to say, we're not going to play. Yeah, I mean, Draymond's considered a pretty big leader, I think, when it comes to the players. Depending on who you talk In the, to. Depending, well, I just think that this is probably not the last among the players that you're going to hear about this. Oh, LeBron said something, yeah. Draymond said yeah, it's something. It's going to continue. If, if you're held to a standard and one of your bosses isn't held to the same standard, you don't think you're going to speak up? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's every employee in the NBA is looking at this and going, what? Give me a break. Like, this is ridiculous. It's also real life where people yeah. with money get away with a lot more than people who don't have all right, uh, it was quite a scene in Buffalo last night as the Bills won their first Monday night game since 1994. Bills Mafia, pretty excited about this team. You think so? Yeah, a little bit. And they were in fine form last night after a few extra hours of tailgating. No doubt one of the most passionate fan bases in football. Bills Mafia knows how to party. I cannot get people to understand and comprehend what's actually about to happen. It's Reggie Gilliam, the fullback for the score. He's got Diggs wide open. It's caught. Touchdown. 46-yard strike. Another touchdown for Buffalo. Just incredible scenes. Uh, should residents of Glendale, Arizona, be worried about a potential Bills 
Eagles Super Bowl. Oh my God, you add the Eagles to the mix and you've got Bills fans and Eagles fans. If I'm not mistaken, Super Bowl weekend is also the same weekend as the Waste Management Open in the same area. Good luck. Good luck to that area. Oh my God, this could be an absolute bleep. Never mind perfect storm. It'll be a poop storm. They will go absolutely bananas if it's Bills Eagles Super Bowl weekend and the waste manage the garbage mm-hmm. can opens at the same time. I mean, you're already gonna get the tweets of the people who went to the waste management on the Sunday, spent the day at the 16th going crazy, and then they go over to, to the Super Bowl. It's gonna be it's amazing. Bills Eagles. Like, looking pretty good at this current point in time. Yeah, week two. Long way to go. But. Week two, yeah. uh, it couldn't look better, but yeah. there are a few more weeks to go. <laughs> I, I completely understand. And let me just say something yeah. to the Bills Mafia. Uh, I have said for years that you are among the, if not the best fan base in all of sports. Passionate, understanding, uh, have given to philanthropy and charities uh, with all of your hearts for a long time. Don't jump the shark. The media is going to play you guys up so much over the next little while. There are so many primetime games that Bill's Mafia will be front and center as they were last night. Don't lead into the stereotype. Think of new things. Go different ways because you are the Bill's Mafia. And there will be fakers. There will be phonies. There will be people purposely infiltrating your group. Remember that. Stay classy, Bill's Mafia. Very good. I really like that. Uh, we have early highlights from the Jays game. Early highlights from the Blue Jays and Phillies. This is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Oh, camera guy. With a camera person got hit. up the middle. Bryson Stott. Did he just hit the camera, dude? Oh, my goodness. What a start. Look out. Sebastian Hopefully the camera person's okay. This is, is going to be look right here. Oh, doctor! Oh. Right no. in the forehead. And then moments ago, oh, Matt Chapman no. with two runs. What is going on? Hit a two-run home run. Excuse me, a three-run home run to give the Jays a 3-0 lead. They are currently still in the top of the first, not even out of the top of the first. We've already got a cameraman down and a Matt Chapman three-run bomb. Not a bad start. No, That's not exactly a bad start. You want got from, you screaming in studio. Well, yeah, it's a pretty good start. It is, it is a pretty good Talk start. Talk about highlights. You got a highlight pack right there. Without a doubt. Long way to go in the game. Cameraman down! <laughs> We've got the cameraman! Actually, he just took it, eh? Yeah. Wiped off the brow, moved on. Very He's not impressive. soft. And I would have left the building. Completely just you dabbing his forehead you know because it's hot me. in the studio. It's just pathetic performance. It I would have been gone so us. quick. <laughs> a reminder, if you want to flip over to that game, they are still in the top of the first Jays have another man on as Teoscar just singled up the middle. Pirates and Yankees coming up on Sportsnet 1. As Aaron Judge looks for home run number 60. Mariners and A's later on Sportsnet now and here on Sportsnet 360. WWE NXT. Thanks for watching, everybody. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Jays on Sportsnet. Leading 3-0.